y'all. Hey, it's Bridgetta Giles, certified family life educator, sex educator, lover of the word fuck in all forms. And I have a very special guest today, Mr. R.J. Wright. Mr. Wright, please introduce yourself and tell us how you are changing the world. Oh, wow. Okay. So my name, as you said, is R.J. Wright. I am a... uh, I am a 10-year veteran of the United States Army Reserves. Um, yeah, I have I have a degree in psychology. I'm currently working at a mental health agency while I work on my master's so that I can be a therapist. Um, so, um, so I want to be focused on teens, military families, and probably sex therapy and some couples counseling. Um, I am a nationally ranked poet. Uh, I was, the last time I competed in a big competition, I ranked fourth at the individual World Poetry Slam uh, before the world got shut down. Um, I have a book out on Amazon and I'm working on my next two. See, that is, that is what I'm doing. Oh, and I'm on TikTok um, doing, doing TikTok and also uh, trying to hold men accountable. So those are, those are my things. I love it. I love it. So I was just thinking you were going to talk about the fact that uh, you're about your TikTok. That's actually how I found you was TikTok. Yeah. Um, you being a pleasure, Dom. I knew you were a poet because I looked via your, your IG. Um, mm-hmm. All this other is just extra delicious. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this. Jeez Louise. So I, I need you to go ahead and get in the habit of discussing all of the things that you're doing, all of your accomplishments, <laughs> because more Black people need to know that there are other Black people out here doing the damn thing. I'm, yeah, true. It's also a thing of like, because I realized that you found me from like IG and you found me from TikTok, I, like TikTok and, and Instagram don't necessarily want you to be a whole person. They have these like boxes that they fit you in and like they push those things when you do them, but not so much when you're discussing your life as a whole. Yeah. Um, and so I've gotten very used to when people want to talk to me about like when they found me from TikTok or they find me from Instagram or they find me from this, I'm discussing the very specific things that right. they found me for and not necessarily me as a whole person. So, you know. Okay, so this is a safe space for you to discuss you as a whole person. <laughs> you have some really dope shit and you're in the South. Like this, yes, this is yes, a thing yeah. for me because I always feel like I'm in an island um, being in the sexuality education realm. Like there's, from my understanding, two black sex therapists in the entire like state, <laughs> like the entire state. This is a big deal. And I can't name one black man who is in the realm. And I do apologize because I, I did extra pronouns. That was very- No, yeah, uh, he, him. Thank um, If you're black, my nigga, that works too. If you're not black, you just don't get to call me anything. Don't do um, Right, don't. I also don't discuss, I was told I was cocky a lot as like a, as like a teenager and whatever. And so I very much, and I, and I go back and forth between having the confidence of a mediocre white man and questioning my purpose for existing. So um, that's, it's a that's lot. Very different extremes. That's a lot. They are, they are very different extremes. Because okay. um, sometimes you'll ask me, uh, you'll say I'm cocky and I'll go, 
if I'm telling you who I am and I'm being honest, am I actually being cocky or are you just uncomfortable with yourself and you're projecting that onto me? Ooh, because that's what it sounds like to me. How does and then mean? sometimes I just go, oh, okay, I, all right. And I go back into my corner and, and, and shrink, but it just depends. Never go in your corner, never shrink, make them choke. That's my advice. Yay, don't listen to me. I, I choose violence. <laughs> no, that sounds like good advice to me. I choose violence regularly. I'm, I'm learning to not do anything different. So, all right. So I don't know if you've had an opportunity to listen to the show, but I put people through all types of fuckery. Um, this fuckery is always fun. You have a choice. You can tell us a very scandalous sex story. More importantly, what you learned from the experience, how it bettered you as a person, but you know, let it be all kinky and shit. Or you can answer a sex question. Oh, okay. So I don't know if I have any particularly like scandalous sex stories. I mean, I, I guess I technically have one, but I will believe that one is like, it's also like has a lot of trauma involved in it. So I'm not sure you necessarily want to have that for, for, for the pod. Yeah, um, no trauma. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we don't want to do that. Um, I mean, the 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 most scandalous things I've probably done is at one point in college, I messed with a girl and then messed with her friend. That was, was that's pretty. That's pretty scandalous. That, it, that's scandalous. It was college, like stuff like that happens. I would never do that now as an adult. Wait, Paul. People say stuff like that to me all the time. Like, oh, that stuff happens. That's college. I'm, I swear, like, I don't know where y'all are getting these experiences from. Where did you go to college is the question. Don't do that. Don't do that. Louisiana <laughs> University. My parents didn't love me enough to send me to Grambling. Oh. Every, every person in my family graduated from Grambling. Everybody. You could have gone to Southern. I mean... They definitely, everyone graduated from Grambling, so they sure in hell wasn't going to send me to Southern. True. Okay, fair. So they they told me I had two choices. It it actually was going to be LSU. Um, And then my grandmother told me over over her dead body, was I going to go to LSU? So. um, The hate is real. Oh, yeah. So I, I went to, I went to Tech, which was like eight minutes, like eight minutes away from Grambling. So it's like the same thing. So that's kind of like the way uh, TSU, so we have uh, TSU, or as I call them, uh, Jack Yates Senior Institute of Technology, um, is right across the street from U of H. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The TS, TSU, or Texas Southern University, is Prairie View A&M's little sister, okay. um, and they always try to be us, and they fail consistently. And so I talk about them. Okay. relentlessly because they because they need to be reminded that they not that um damn you know it's always so funny to hear people because I have zero school pride I don't like I've I've been to one basketball football some ball I'm gonna say it was football because they had turkey legs I've been a one game in my entire life um and I've probably only gone to one of my homecomings however I have been to of Grandma State University's homecomings and just listening to the back and forth is just so refreshing. Yeah, homecoming at an HBCU is 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 completely it's a whole different experience. It's so different. It's so fun. And the food is better. 
Because I go to yes. for the food. Never so food. one of the things that I've, so this is going to be slightly off topic. We talk about food and we always talk about like white people doing like weird shit with food. The thing that I've, the thing that I've realized is all whites are not created equal. I think that's mostly like the Midwestern whites do weird shit, like put raisins. Yeah. And 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 the like the the Pacific Northwest whites do all that weird shit. Southern whites will look at you crazy. Right. Right. I Southern prefer soul food. They they have country food, right? Yes, they do. Right. They don't do soul food, but they do do country food. Yeah. And I prefer country whites because like they're like. I'm ignorant because I haven't really been exposed to to these groups of people. And so like, oh, like I love everybody. Oh, and I'm I'm wrong. Okay, well, I'm willing to learn about this. Whereas like when you go to the Midwest or you go to the Pacific Northwest, the Pacific Northwest especially go like act like they're very, very liberal, but then be problematic as hell. Yeah. And like the Midwest is kind of the same way where like they're just like, oh, I kind of know this thing, but I just don't really care. Right. And so yeah. So, so yeah, the South is bad, but I still prefer the South over a lot of places. I, I don't think I would make it in any other place. And that's so sad. That's that's really bad of me to say. Yeah. But I I just my mouth, my mouth too slick. And I feel as though, you know, the South, we have this really nice, nasty that we do very well. Yes. I swear I would get arrested if I was anywhere else because my mouth, I I when I say I say what I say and I mean what I say how I say it mm-hmm. I just don't think it would go over too well anywhere else it's cultural very much so okay so I hear that I hear that that was a that was that was an okay story you know you mess with what did you learn from messing with two friends um oh, did you know they were friends yes one of so what so what actually happened was uh my sophomore year I was living in the dorms. There was a girl that like, girls find weird ways to hit on guys. So she was like, can you help me with my poetry? And like came to like the room and was not at all interested really in poetry. And then a girl that wanted to date me showed up and acted a plum fool. And the girl that had came over to do poetry was just like sitting there like, okay, like you didn't actually do anything. The way she responded to it made me like attracted to her. And then we dealt with each other for a while and then we stopped. And then the next year there was a, uh, so I was a junior, she was a sophomore. There was a freshman girl that came cause she was in like the, the theater program. Mm-hmm. There was a freshman girl that came that ended up like being close with her. And she uh, saw me doing poetry. And of course, like that was a thing. So she was attracted to that and tried to get at me and I and I for the longest time told her no I don't want to do this but for some reason the more you told her no the more she kept trying me and I was like this ain't what you want first of all you are a freshman and you've never dealt with men that are in college and we're a whole different breed you're not you're you're not you're really not ready for for this um and she was like no I'm fine so then she came through and yeah Okay. She still hits me up to this day. Because you rocked her shit, probably. She's probably. Yeah, she just sent me, my birthday was in October. She was like, happy birthday. And I was like, okay. So what? <sighs> She's good peoples. She, uh, she at one point, so, so during our tenure as like us messing with each other, like, you know how like sometimes people tell you dates and they don't match up? She got married in college mm. to this dude that she was messing with that she messed with, I think, at the same time as she was dealing with me. Oh, um, 
so yeah and then like after they got divorced after like a few kids because now that I'm, I'm like 33 right so like now everybody that got married like in their early 20s mid 20s are now all getting divorced yeah so she got divorced and she uh I think saw something that I said on Instagram and hit me up and was curious about uh about the things and so yeah what things uh she was she was interested in in like um being in a dynamic with me I was already at the time in a dynamic but I consulted with the sub that I had at the time and was like is this something that she would be comfortable with are you okay with this and she was like yeah that's fine so I went I love it I went and linked up with her um and we had a like reacquaintancing type session um where she like tested out whether or not this was something that she like wanted so yeah that's sweet yay for consent that's that's dope um so what yeah i'm all about informed consent what did you learn um back in college and more recently what did what did you learn with your in your dealings in those situations um (laughs) being me is enough okay okay like i'm like and i i'm i've also realized like i I treat women with a level of respect that I don't think that they're always used to being treated with, no matter the type of relationship that we have, whether or not I am your dom or I am a fuck buddy or I am a friend with benefits. Um, I tend to treat women as though they are human, which seems to surprise them because the bar is in hell. Um, And so when I do that, it tends to like have a reaction and so one of the things that I've learned is that you don't treat people based on who they are you treat them based off of who you are and who I am as someone who says that I am protective and caring and considerate of others and so I have to demonstrate that through my actions towards treating others no matter how they are behaving towards me mm, I like that I think that's a really good lesson because we do get caught up in well how does this person want to be treated and you 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 start to shift some most people they start to shift and try to mold themselves into what they think the next person wants and they're really just like losing bits and pieces of themselves yeah it's not it's only it's long it's only for the moment right like yeah you can only you can only put on these ads for so long before you come out and who you are might not be aligned with who they are or what they need and that's okay so dopeness i love it all right so for for the real reason we're here you found you on tiktok and you were having you were talking about being a pleasure dom right yeah what what is that what is what is pleasure dom what does that mean so pleasure dom is so i have three main different types of like dom uh characteristics that i fall under holy so there's a bunch of different dom characteristics um but my main three are primal pleasure and uh soft um so a pleasure dom is usually someone who is very sensual they like to induce orgasm uh for pleasure but also sometimes as punishment um yeah so one of my kinks is orgasm control and sometimes that means edging and sometimes that means forced orgasms to where i'm making you have several 
um, back to back. Um, Cause like it's, and, and I know pleasure doms sound fun, but then you get to like the seventh one and your soul leaves your body and you've still got more that you owe me because you've been acting up all day. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> what? Yeah. So wait, so it's, it's a little bit of torture involved in this. It sounds very- yes. When you think about, when you think about someone repeatedly making you have orgasms till you can barely like stand or someone has to remind you to breathe because you've like, you're holding your breath and you're about to like, like, that's a thing. Like I've had women that I've been dealing with, I have to remind them to breathe because she's holding her breath, waiting for the next like wave to hit. And I'm like, yo, breathe. What? Yeah. I learned so much. Like, <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, I learned so much just by talking. So, okay. Let me wrap my head around it. Primal. What's what's that because when you say primal i'm thinking like animals and shit like yes so i like so primal is usually fairly um instinctual animalistic you play different games when you like primal so like if i were to so let's say we were to go on a date um to go hiking Mm -hmm. and i would say and i would look at you and go you have three minutes run and hide and when I catch you you belong to me what yeah stuff like that so casually like oh yeah it's just nothing it's random that's just, well that's if I'm if, if that's the type of relationship that we have yeah. right no harm no foul okay what was the what was the last one you said what was it uh soft so what is soft dom so soft doms are typically um the the calmer more reserved relaxed types they usually are they usually allow their uh their submissives to get away with a lot of things and they just kind of like keep it in their mind and then all of a sudden they snap and go into like real life dom mode and now you're in an impact play session for like three hours wondering why did you even bother to how did we get here yes pretty much please see that just so again i don't know if you are a fan of the show but last season, like I just, I really had this, this awakening, if you will, um, really digging into just my different identities. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I feel most comfortable in, in sub, right? Mm-hmm. With a praise king. But listening to that makes me like, nope, I'm scared. Never mind. That's- what do you mean? Don't be scared. There's no need to be scared. That is some scary shit. Like what? I like. Let's talk. What are, What are you scared of? Let's talk through it. I like to breathe. Number one, um, that's a lot. That feels like that would be a lot, and I get overwhelmed very quickly. <laughs> like I get overwhelmed very quickly with all things. So, so in all things, remember, in all things, consent. Um, if you if that's something that you would like struggle with, then you would just have a conversation about what your actual limits are during your vetting process. So what if you don't know your limits? Because like, I'm new to this shit. Like, I don't know what I don't know. And there's research, like I'm, I'm good with research. So and obviously BDSM is not my specialty. I'm still learning things, but. So what I would tell you is if BDM is not, if BDSM is not your specialty or you're a newbie to it, 
have as many conversations as you as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, I am someone who does not necessarily learn from reading all the books, but I will go on YouTube and find something out. I will listen to a podcast and find something out because I'm extremely dyslexic and I don't want to sit there. I'm, ex- I'm dyslexic and I have ADHD, so mm-hmm. I don't always want to sit down and like read something for like hours on end. It, it yeah, no. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so yeah, so all of the things, uh, all of the ways that you learn, figure out and, and have conversations with your specific person, your partner mm-hmm. about what it is that you need, what it is that you like. And you can start off with simple things um, like, uh, what's something simple? What are the things that you're really, really into during sex? Like you could have that conversation. And from that conversation, you start to develop a framework for what it is that you want. And then we can, and then I can bring up different things and I can tell you like, I can tell you what my kinks are and see if that's something that you're interested in. And we can like start to move towards those directions as we figure out like what it is that you like. Because my whole, my whole thing as a Dom is it's not just for me, it's also for her. Like I want to make sure that she is pleased and taken care of and like that she is feeling um, empowered in our dynamic for her to be able to talk to me about what it is she wants. Right. So all things go back to communication. And that's something that I really, really yes. preach um, is sexual communication is key to uh, sexual satisfaction. Like mm-hmm. there's no way around it. So, so in talking about pleasure and talking about um, sexual communication and things of that nature, are you aware of the orgasm gap? Yes. Yes. Good. So in thinking about the orgasm gap and knowing that there are a lot of heterosexual cis women and because we we are for the pleasure of black women here at say it to me nice how do you see bdsm closing that orgasm gap for black women um the way that you do that is through communication one Mm -hmm. um and really so so it's 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 probably it's several things Mm -hmm. one black men have to rid themselves of their egos and actually listen to what it is that women want. Um, two, Black women have to rid themselves of their shame mm. and come forward and tell their partners what it is that they want. And they can't have a fear of, oh, if I tell him what this is, he won't want me anymore. He won't like me anymore. He'll find someone else. Right. If he does, then that probably wasn't the person for you anyway, because why do you want to go through your entire life without having orgasms? That seems like a horrible existence that to me. not a great life at all. No, 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 no. Another- We're not doing that. Right. Another part of that you touched on, you know, a lot of Black men need to um, listen. A lot of Black women need to Mm -hmm. be willing to explore themselves because you, again, you don't know what you don't know. If you have not spent time with yourself, if you have not spent time like really trying to figure out what pleases you, you're never going to be able to communicate that to your partner, partners. So very true. For me, it starts with how, how much time are you putting into understanding yourself, your body, how much Um, Because I I still know people to this day that are fearful of using sex toys. Um, And there's a magic word. You said the magic word. You said shame. There's a lot of shame in the Black community Mm -hmm. about sex toys, about pleasure, about the pleasure of women. Um, Sex is for men, right? That's what I was taught. I was taught um, sex is Mm -hmm. for men. It's something you give to a man, right? 
instead of something as is an experience that people experience together, right? So I think that a lot of Black women really need to get it into their heads that in order for me to have this pleasure, I need to explore pleasure first within myself. That's my three cents on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How did you know you were a dom? Like, what, what, how did you come to that realization? <laughs> Funnily enough, I was... I kind of talk about this sometimes when I go live on, on TikTok and I, I kind of realized, oh, I'm already doing some of these things. Mm. Like I'm already practicing some of the, the basic things of like, oh, I'm, I'm exerting a level of control. Um, I am controlling the environment because it's a dom really the, so doms are not really in control. First of all, okay. uh, the submissive is always in control she tells you what her boundaries are and then it's your job to work inside of those boundaries. And so once I was given the boundaries, I took total control of what was inside of that and, and, and exercised a level of control that like felt good to me and felt good to her. Um, it probably started when I was in college. I realized that sex was the best for me when I was giving out instructions. Okay. When I was telling my partner exactly what I wanted and what to do, Mm-hmm. Sex was always like way better for me um, because there was a certain level of like control that I had. Okay. So, so that was like probably the first thing. So I, I'm always interested in, in like, how do people come into, into their own in a way, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. And I think it's it, what feels natural to you. Like for me, I, I just, sex is better for me when I am not, when I'm being dominated, I think it allows you to not have to be, you don't have to take responsibility for anything and you can just be and allow someone to take control. Yeah. Yes. Cause I'm struggling in these streets, like holding all the things up and my arms is tired and sex is, a, is a, a safe space for me to not have to. And it took me a long time to come to that realization. And it took me really what you're saying makes sense. It really took me taking control of a situation and saying, listen, this is what I want to do. This is, this is how this is going to feel for me. And this is what I want. With that being said, um, I, I talked to you earlier off camera about uh, the SAR, the sexual um, attitude reassessment that I, that I lived through. <laughs> Uh, for my asex patient <laughs> listen they, they showed us some wild shit like and i i am i feel as though i'm like the most non-judgmental person alive like i pride myself on that shit but when i saw a woman like pulling a snake out of her pussy like i really that i mean that really did something to my spirit number one i'm afraid of snakes so that was a lot. It's not for me, but I mean, if they like it, go ahead. And she enjoyed herself, and I was I was glad she enjoyed herself, but I couldn't watch it because all I could saw it was. I mean, that feels like animal abuse to me. Like I don't, like, I don't like, like I only mess with things that can consent. Um, so, okay, that was the argument. That was the argument. Like, how can an animal consent to what you doing to it? They cannot. But like, they had a really great. They had a really great discussion that I was not a part of because I all I saw was a snake, and my mind just went bloop, turn off. 
I don't, I don't do snakes. I cannot. But anyway, so at this particular saw, we did have a conversation about um, narcissists and doms and how there, mm-hmm. there are studies that show that there's, there's a thin line between the two. So for you, what, what is, what's the cutoff point? The difference is that because there's, and we talked about this earlier, there's an influx of people that are not really doms. They just like the title of Dom and are really abusers hiding in hiding in, in a community that has been like accepting. Yeah. Um, and it's actually going through kind of like a reformation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Doms tend to be caretakers. They are open with communication. They are looking to please their partners in whatever way they think their partners will be pleased best. Mm-hmm. So because they're looking to do all of those things and they're open with communication, it's far less likely that they're going to be a narcissist, but if you have someone who is not really the dom or they get into a dynamic for the wrong reasons, um, yeah, you could definitely run into a narcissist or an abuser and someone who will gaslight you, someone who doesn't take your feelings into account, who disregards you, who makes you feel as though you're bad for not giving them what they want, like all of those things. And also, and this is slightly off topic, but I get really like tired of like, so social media finds a thing in like, without any real knowledge of it, just talks about it incessantly. And so I see people talk about being narcissists or having an anxiety disorder or having major depressive disorder or being bipolar. I'm like, that's not what a lot of that is. You can have symptoms of a mental health disorder without having an actual mental health disorder. So there are people that display symptoms of narcissism, but they are not narcissists. Now there are some narcissists that I can probably think of off the top of my head, (laughs) Joe Budden, but- Okay, yep. um, But not everybody is that. Right. I like that you you bring that up. Like you can have the symptoms without the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Having the diagnosis is a very specific thing. Yeah, yeah. And it needs to be, you know, verified by an actual clinician. Yep. No one trained and not just your friends like, yo, you you out here being a narcissist. That's different. You have Yeah, that's that's not the same. That's like when people be like, I have ADHD. Oh, you you do? What's the okay, who diagnosed you with that? Who diagnosed you? Like, yeah, that does get on my nerves. Um, very much so. Very, very much so. We I see it enough clinically anyway, in the field where there's an overdiagnosis specifically of black males black teens um being diagnosed with things no that ain't it or just misdiagnosed completely diagnosed honestly it's just a misdiagnosis um because you're you're a little black boy doing what little black boys do and sometimes psychology and counseling is whitewashed anyway i'm not getting into that today that is a that is a conversation i am willing to have Listen, I have like I said, I've been in I've been in mental health for behavioral health for around seven years now, and you see it a lot. It is crazy what they pin on black children, right? Um, And I I don't have an I don't have enough research or experience when it comes to uh, adults, right? I don't I don't know how often. So I have primarily worked with adults in my seven years. Okay. Do you do you find that black adults are often misdiagnosed? Yes. Okay. They can also be misdiagnosed because of the agency that they go to. Absolutely. So, so if you're an agency that only treats, so there are certain agencies that only really treat certain things. Mm-hmm. So if you're an agency that their main things are bipolar and everything that falls underneath that realm, schizophrenia, everything that falls underneath that realm, and um, uh, 
bipolar, schizophrenia, and major depression and everything that falls underneath that realm, if what you actually have is a personality disorder, you're going to be misdiagnosed because like people don't realize that those two things can be similar or you have an anxiety disorder and your anxiety disorder is looking like this other thing over here, but because we can't bill for that, we yep. won't diagnose you with your actual proper diagnosis. We'll diagnose you for this thing over here. It drives me batshit crazy. There is no reason, in my opinion, that every single 100% of the people that come into an agency for an assessment will leave with a diagnosis. You mean to tell me out of a thousand people, all 1,000 of these people have a diagnosis, typically the same damn diagnosis? And I don't know what it's like in Texas, but in Louisiana, specifically the region where I live, we have about over 150, and I live in a small, small, I ain't in Baton Rouge or New Orleans. We have about 150 behavioral health agencies and it's full of African-American children. And you mean to tell me everyone that was referred to you has it, all of them, every single solitary one of them has a diagnosis. It's, it's, and it's one of the things that deters people from going to get help because they don't want to be labeled. Right. And what you're telling me is I'm going to get a label if I, if I come to see you. Yeah. Um, which is not okay. It's not cool. It's one of the reasons why uh, members of the military don't go and seek help because they know for everyone that goes to behavioral health that's in the military, if you're an active duty service member or whatever, you'll get a diagnosis and they'll give you a mental health profile, which means that you are now non-deployable and you cannot carry a weapon, mm. which in its instance can end your military career. Right. Um, and so instead of like effectively treating people as needed they give like this blanket thing and so now it deters people that need help from going to get help absolutely i and i know this is not number one it's, it's, it's so off topic you let me take you down the rabbit hole i just want to say that but i i understand before i say this i understand that everyone does not have access or funds for this but i always encourage people to find someone who is private pay because typically when they accept insurance, in order for that person to get paid, you have to have a diagnosis. In mm -hmm. order for them to bill for you, you will have to come out of that session with a diagnosis. When they're private pay, not so much. Not so much. They, if it's something like somebody passed away and you're having some grief issues and you want to talk that shit through, they're not going to diagnose you unless they have reason to. But just to also oh, that I can get paid. I'm gonna go ahead and have to slap this diagnosis on you. I'm so sorry, but I want to get paid for, for, my, yep. for my work. That's ridiculous to me. See what happens when I talk about systems. Don't do this to me today. We can we can go we can go to the next topic. We just said that we were gonna be whole people on this episode. Yes. So, so we're exploring yeah. our wholeness. We are because ooh, this that's that's my hot button issue. Mm -hmm. Um especially because it's really hurting the black community. Like you said, like a Definitely. lot of people aren't wanting to go get the help that they need because they fear a label. And a lot of times the label is forced on them. So back to the original topic. So, okay. So you talked a little bit about like, you know, doms are their caretakers. And so I'm, I've been seeing a lot of videos about water. Like y'all be talking about water and make sure, did you drink your water? Like, what is up with the water? Like, is this a thing? Yes, because people don't take care of themselves. 
Is that what that is? Like I'm thinking yes. there's some underlying deep-rooted like No, it's it's really as simple as drinking. you're not drinking water, you're drinking all these things that are not good for you and I you're important to me. I want you to take care of your body. And also, I am going to put a certain level of strain on your body and so I need you to be like hydrated and well taken care of in order for you to be able to deal with all of these things. Okay. So uh, again, I overthink everything. In my mind, I was like, oh my God, this is like code for something real kinky. What are they doing with the water? No, it's kind of a, pre- it can be, it's just a precursor to something kinky. <sighs> well, shit. Thank you for clarifying that for me. That's great. No problem. Jeez Louise. All right. So tell me, because I feel like this is going to be really good shit. Okay. What are your top three sex tips for black women for black women or for black people black people black couples sure okay um men toys are your teammates they are not your adversaries they're going to make your job a lot easier use toys um find positions that work for you um, every position is not for everybody. That's that's a thing. Um, and what would I say? What's a third sex tip? Always communication. Yes. Always communication. And find out what this person is like really, really into and do that thing. Have, have as much talk as much as you possibly can about the thing. For example, if I know someone has a praise kink, I, I praise kink them during. I praise kink them after. I praise kink them before. Uh, oh, my biggest tip. Foreplay doesn't start when you start making physical contact. Agree. Yes. Foreplay starts no. Foreplay starts um, before that. Foreplay starts when I text you mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm asking how your day is and I slip something sexual into there. For, that's, that's, that's how foreplay works. Like it doesn't just start when I start kissing on you. I knew this. I think that was three. That was probably more than three. It's okay. I, however many that you want to give, I, we will take them here at Say It. <laughs> All right. So before I let you go, rip your mm-hmm. brands. What do you have? What do you have going on? Okay. Uh, so I am working on two books. One of them is a shorter novel type book where I am uh, telling a love story in reverse, um, and showing how the the, the kind of end or, or what we think may be the end and then going back to like how they first met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm working on another poetry collection uh, that is more of a traditional poetry collection. I'm also going back to school to finish my master's because I took a break during COVID and all the other stuff. I was like, I, I don't want to do this. Um, so I'm going to finish my master's. I just have one class left and then I'll sit for my exam to be a therapist. Um, so yeah, so that is that is mainly what I have going on. All right. Well, I'm extremely excited for all of the things you all. Um, please check out the show notes. I will link all the ways that you can find uh, RJ. RJ, thank you so much for sharing space with us. Um, and y'all, listen in next week. Bye.